0: Welcome to Evolution in Controls. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Tim Wilson. Today's episode is a charged one because we're going to talk about electrification. It's not what you might think. Today's episode is going to focus on the electrification trend in the mobile marketplace. And we'll even share some industry news with you. Electrification is exploding in the farm equipment, off-road equipment, and specialty use vehicle markets. It includes sensing, reporting, HMI, telematics, safety, and the growing application of electric drive systems. All these new functions require a fundamental change in the electrical power. Once, 20 volts DC was sufficient for a piece of equipment. Today, 700 volts DC is becoming the new standard. But how do you connect all these new devices together and get them to communicate with each other? How do you separate the power from the communication data and distribute each to where they need to go? Here to talk with us about tackling these challenges is Mr. Mark Majeski. Mark is the Executive Vice President and co-owner of Morell. Mark, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Tim.
0: No problem. So my first question is, why is the electrification in mobile industry such a big deal compared to the other industries?
1: Well, you know, I think things are changing. Obviously, if you look at europe, we were fortunate enough that we can go over there and kind of hear about the standards and some of the things that are going on in the European marketplace. But one of the big things I think that is really pushing that faster than we'll call it, you know even the EV stuff that we see in the automotive industry is is a few things. Um, first of all, I would say for municipality vehicles, you know, if you're staying in a hotel room, obviously we get to do that, you know once or twice, and the last thing you want is at six o'clock in the morning, you hear about a street sweeper that's going out <laughs> in front of your room or you hear somebody that's drilling or something like that. And, you know, for Europe, one of the mandates that they really have for this entire thing is they're trying to do it from a noise pollution, you know, just trying to cut down the amount of noise. And obviously electric vehicles, you don't have diesel engines running. And and, and some of those things make sense. Um You know the second thing to it if you look at most of those vehicles you know how you're going to use them you know if you if you wake up in the morning and you have an egg piece of equipment or you have a municipality vehicle you know what your day looks like you're going to run it for two hours you're going to run it for three hours um if you have something that's you know farming a field you know that you're going to run it for eight hours and and because it's very determined you know exactly what kind of charge you need for the vehicle and you know when you're going to have to recharge i think you know that obviously leads to some of the challenges that we see in the automotive industry when you get in your car and you may or may not know what you're doing that day and you know now you're kind of dependent upon where is the next time i'm going to have to go somewhere how am i going to have to charge how long am i going to have to wait so i i think that you know besides obviously i think we'll talk about sensors and some of the technology a lot of the things make sense and it's not just about energy savings it's hmm. really about more of just where is the general trend of that industry and, and, and how is that changing over the course of time?
0: So noise is the the chief concern that is starting to drive this trend.
1: Yeah, I mean if you look at Citronics, that was a prime okay. example, right? Citronics originally was brought to us because it was an energy savings. I mean that's what the Europeans said. Citronics, it's energy savings, that's what's going to be important. And the more that we started hearing about Citronics, people were more fascinated with how quiet it was as opposed to the amount of energy that they were going to save. Now there's no doubt that you are going to save. There, there's efficiency gains with electric vehicles, um, especially in the mobile market. But yeah, by and large, I would say one of the things that is driving it and where people are looking at it, it's really on just not wanting to hear diesel engines running at five o'clock in the morning, or more importantly, nine o'clock at night.
0: Well, if that's the case, what are the technological challenges that the manufacturers face in applying this technology?
1: So, I mean, there's there's a few things. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we're running into right now is anytime that you want to go and develop an electric vehicle, you have to reach out to somebody, right? And traditionally, those companies that you're reaching out to, they want to talk about how many thousands of pieces that you want to buy. And... You know, obviously with Bosch and that being a big company, I mean, that's definitely one of the things that deters people, we'll call it our our customers, you know, people that are building 200, 300 pieces of equipment. Bosch and these big companies like Dana, they want to talk to people that are building 100,000 or 20,000. So a lot of our customers, when they come to us, they've heard about it, that they know that there's benefits to it. Um, There's simplification in a lot of uh, um, manners for the vehicles that are there. But the biggest problem that they're running into is who are those suppliers and you know I think we're fortunate that Bosch obviously is putting this development together under the Rexroth umbrella and it's going to be commercially available. Um, We've been to a lot of shows, we've seen a lot of companies that came up with inverters and electric wheel drives and all that and you know the unfortunate thing is anybody that develops something that's neat or interesting usually they end up being sold very quick. And I I would say with Bosch Rexroth, they're they're kind of going to be those people that I believe we're going to be able to embrace and and take into the markets that we serve. So what kind
0: of devices are we talking about?
1: So, you know, just like anything else, it it all stuns propulsion, right? I mean, if you look at a diesel engine, everything starts with propulsion. And, you know, a lot of the stuff when we start talking about e-mobility, in my opinion, it's really talking more about the electric propulsion side of it. So you have battery management, you have inverters, you got wheel drives. You know, that's the main core, I would say, to we'll call it e-mobility. The problem that we run into in some of those respects is, okay, now it's scalable. So, you know, if I look at a hydraulic propulsion system, we Mm -hmm. could, you know, buy a motor or drive package that has, you know, 100 cc's or 155 cc's, and then when we start looking at the e-mobility side, I may need a 50 horsepower electric motor, I may need a 75, I may need a 100. And I think what Rexroth is trying to do is they're trying to package it. So they're trying to say, although you may need, I'll use the example, 46 horsepower, can we get you into just a 50 horsepower package? And then we have something that's commercially available. So yeah, the trend is changing. Um, Obviously, the battery technology is changing. You know, the inverters are changing, but but just what you had brought up originally in your point is the voltage. The voltage is really one of the things that's driving it. It makes propulsion systems like this possible. Um, if you looked at what it would take to propel any of the vehicles that we do on 24 volts, you're talking about massive cabling that would be going out there, and it's just not practical. So. The more that we can bring up the bus voltage, um, just like we do in the industrial marketplace, we can reduce down the size of the the copper or the feeds that are going out to the motor and make it something that is practical.
0: So you mentioned cabling, the cabling, the same cabling that it attaches to the drive system, it's got attached to the sensors and the HMI and and uh, the telematics. Is, does all that become a problem then? Well, it does. Um,
1: I would say there's two sides to this cabling. So the thing that's the most interesting to us is the the inverter side, right? Sure. The high horsepower, the high current draw stuff. This is something Morell has always done because of the industrial market. So we're com- you know we're familiar with it. We know how that kind of cabling goes together. The the practices, the 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 requirements in mm-hmm. manufacturing that kind of we'll call it the higher current cables. And then when you go down to the sensor level, I think that there's a lot of things that are going to change. Um, right now if you look at most of the commercial vehicles that we deal with or the mobile pieces of equipment traditionally it's off of can and you know can is a can bus can bus um it's twisted pair low voltage um can is a very very reliable network but Mm -hmm. can is not the fastest network that's out there and the more that people want to add cameras to their cars and they want to add sensors or excuse me not the cars to mobile pieces of equipment right um you need a you need a bigger bandwidth. You, you need more information that's going to be sent back and forth really quick to a controller And you know our belief is that Ethernet, you know, CAN-FD There are new protocols that are coming out that I think are going to be put onto vehicles And I think that's going to
0: change a lot of the cabling. So what role does Morel play? I know that we're Bosch Rexroth distributor Correct. and we distribute the product, but we do more than that. How, how are we taking those products and applying them?
1: Well, I mean, what
0: role do we play?
1: We want to do ground up, um, you know, just like we do currently today with a mm-hmm. hydraulic system. So, you know, obviously, ground up from propulsion to sensors to controls, in and, and we see that that's something that we're going to be doing in the future. So, you know, our goal is at some point in time to actually have a vehicle that we'll have out here and we'll show a ground up approach to how we would tackle the the market from a controls, from an inverter, from a cabling. Um, there's a lot that goes into this, right? And there's a lot of challenges. And, you know, I, I think we'd be naive to think that we know every one of those challenges currently today. We, I, we think that we have some very smart engineers, and, and we know that those guys uh, do a very good job at, uh, you know, doing the research. Smart, but,
0: smarter than you and I?
1: Yeah, I would say that maybe just a little bit more. <laughs> um, but, no, I, I would say that, you know, our goal on this entire thing is, you know, just like Murrell has always done in the past, let us try it out first and, and then become the experts in it in, in understand the pitfalls and some of the things that potentially you know are going to be challenges for not only us but for our
0: customers going forward. So you mentioned about having a vehicle in the shop that's something that Morel can do what else is Morel doing to keep ahead of the trend and keep pace?
1: So um, recently you know there was an acquisition that we had Um, we purchased a company LOR mobile controls We're, we're very excited to have them as part of our team and you know I think what's amazing to me is you go over there and see the talent level of the people that are there and, and the things that they're doing. So, I mean, they're printing out circuit boards, they're doing wiring harness design.
0: They print their own circuit the, boards. They're
1: Prototype circuit boards. It, it, and and they're one step, right? They're one step in, in all the pieces that we need to bring together. But, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had somebody that had knowledge. I mean, a lot of the stuff that they're currently doing today is obviously in the tree, tree care market. Um, but but the general knowledge of engine controls and how things go together is there, and you know our goal is to take that knowledge and branch it into more, and you know start talking with our customers about the amazing things that we can do. So I think LOR was um, it was a strategic acquisition for us. We, you know we wanted to make sure that we could we could jump in as quick as we possibly could to this mm-hmm. market. Um, I think that like I said, with with all the strong partners we have behind us, with Hydex and with Rexroth and Sick and all these companies. I think we're definitely poised to be one of the people that can, we'll say, take vehicles to the next level, um, especially for the markets that we serve. You know, for, for a lot of our customers, um, you know, they're, they're not fortunate to have the thousands of engineers that a Cat or a John Deere or somebody like that would have. And they lean on us, you know, to, to, to provide them with some of these solutions or some of these products. And, yeah, I would say that, that that's kind of where we're at. And I think that's where we're going to be able to go in a very short period of time.
0: What does the next five years look like? What, where are we going to be in five years from now with this LOR mobile controls acquisition?
1: Yeah, we're excited, to yeah. say the least. Um, you know, I actually just had a meeting with them, and I told them, I, I said, I don't know what the next five years is going to necessarily 100% look like. Um, I, I, all I know is that we're going to continue to provide the same level of services that we're currently providing today for machinery five years from now. And what do I say about that? We want to be an engineering company. You know, I mean, we're not structural steel people. We're propulsion people. We're automation people. We're motion people. And, you know, five years from now, we're going to be a lot more involved, I think, in vehicle designs. Um, I think that there is going to be a lot of stuff that you're going to see in the next recent or next little bit here that's going to be talking about EV and propulsion systems. Um, But five years from now, I mean, I just want to be positioned as one of those people that people come to, and that they trust and they know that they're going to get a, a, a phenomenal product and service out of the stuff that we can do.
0: We're going to be manufacturing more because LOR is a manufacturer as well, aren't they?
1: LOR is a manufacturer. Um, yeah, we will be. We're doing some exciting things right now. And uh, just with some of the engines that we were talking about replacing, but mm-hmm. um, some of the things that they're currently doing for... Not necessarily just wiring harnesses, but uh, power distribution for engines. Um, They're actually physically manufacturing those components, and they're selling to most of the CAT dealers across the country. Um, We have a few other big targets that we want to go after, but no, I I, see Anything you want to share with
0: our viewers on that?
1: No, unfortunately, there's not a lot that I can share (laughs) about that, but there are some uh, very large pending orders that are out there. So uh, we're very excited about it. Like I said, we're blessed to be able to have this team uh, behind us. I think they're going to be uh, a great uh, partner, you know, slash business unit within our organization. And like I said, I, I think the future is very bright.
0: Mark, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. To learn more about Morell Group's recent acquisition, visit morell groupcom Don't forget to subscribe to Evolution and Controls on whatever platform you use for podcasts or on YouTube for a video version so you can be updated when we release new episodes. Thank you again for joining us today. I'm Tim Wilson. Keep moving.